0: We're gonna start here today. This is part two of this series, and we're, we're actually, I, I'm gonna talk about Satan, and I'm going to give one of the most in-depth teachings about who and what Satan is that I've ever done on a stage before. Are you ready for this? And, and the reason why this is of utmost importance is because I was on the drive to church with my family, and my nine-year-old, Everly, who is very profoundly prophetic, is beginning to talk to me about this dream she had last night, and this is the dream that she had. She said, "Dad, like last night when you tucked me in and you were rubbing my head because I was trying to get her to go to bed so I could sleep for this sermon." And I was like, "Lord, and I literally said, "Lord, give her prophetic dreams. Meet, meet with her in her dreams." And I was rubbing her head, and she woke up, she's like, "Dad." I had this dream that there was this large cloud over New York City, and on top of the cloud were another set of buildings, but all of the buildings were glowing neon, and there was someone next to me that I knew, but I didn't know. And she said, and that person was saying, yes, this is another city that's coming into New York City. And she goes, oh, makes you want to cry. She said, dad, what was I, what did it mean? I said, Everly, you just had a prophetic dream. That city was the kingdom of heaven descending into New York City. And, and, and she said, and then as we were talking about that, she was like, she goes, dad, but isn't Jesus in charge of the earth? And I said, no, Jesus doesn't rule the earth. And and I said, thank you for helping me realign my sermon because I want to start by telling you that the ruler of this earth is actually not Jesus. It's Satan. And and I think that oftentimes I get criticized a lot for my ministry and it's because, and, and my biggest fight has actually not been against demons. It's been against American Christians who do not understand their Bible because they don't read it. And there might be a temptation for you all to think that I'm demon obsessed and I talk about the devil too much. But if you actually went home every day of the week and read your Bible, you would understand that I talk about the devil as much as Jesus. And if you would have actually been discipled by Jesus in the flesh, he would have talked about the devil about the same proportion that I do. And so I am not devil obsessed, we're not demon obsessed, but the truth is most American Christians have been discipled with this, with this faith that, that never talked about the devil. Does this make sense? And so I'm going to take you on a journey through scripture for the next 20 minutes, and I'm going to show you what the Bible actually says about the devil so that we can be aware of his, of his strategies and his tactics in the earth. And so let's start with this. Who and what is Satan? Okay, who and what is Satan? Okay, as we delve into this, we're gonna start with Satan's creation. So Satan's creation, and this is generally accepted amongst most theologians, is he starts as a holy angel. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 through 14. And you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, and it begins to lift those precious stones. And then it says, on the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. Okay, so it's generally accepted that there's this being, this angelic being, that's unlike other created beings in a hierarchy, which means designated um, position, higher up, okay? And so just like here in V1 Church, you have a lead pastor and then campus pastors, then service pastors, then connect group leaders. In, In God's kingdom, there's also a hierarchy, right? There's a structure. Um, And so when you go back to that original structure, you see this in Ezekiel. Now, how many of you know that one of the ways to interpret the Bible is to cross-reference it? So you take one scripture and you cross-reference it against another scripture, and the Bible has cross-references across all 66 books that help us unlock an understanding of it and to confirm the interpretation of it. So now let's look at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. Now, the term Lucifer is traditionally associated with the passage that I just read you. The name itself is a Latin translation. So you've all heard the name Lucifer, Lucifer is a Latin translation, but the Bible was not written in Latin. The Bible was written in Hebrew, and then in Greek, and then in some parts of it, Aramaic. So when you hear Lucifer, Lucifer is actually a Latin translation, so you won't find the word Lucifer in, in the scriptures at all. But this passage, there's a Hebrew word, Hillel, which in this verse means the shining one, or star of the morning. So when you say Lucifer, that term comes from a Hebrew term that actually means shining one or, sun or star of the morning. Is this kind of blowing your mind? And so it comes from, oh, you have fallen from heaven, oh, day star, son of the dawn, how you are cut down to the ground who laid the nations low. So You remember last week we talked about there being these three different domains. You have Hades, and there was a man in Hades being tormented by fire, begging, please go tell my relatives not to come to this place. Then you have paradise, which is another domain, and then you have the earth. So you have a man in Hades, this was last week's sermon, who's talking across this chasm to Abraham, who's in paradise. And then they are looking into another chasm, into another domain called earth. And so now as we go deeper, you have this, this created being that is in heaven as an angel. And then in Isaiah, it says that you, you're, you have fallen from that place. And you are now, remember, you are now no longer in paradise. You are now, you are fallen into the planet earth. Are you all with me? Do you love this stuff? Because everybody's real quiet and I like it. Because so, I'm trying to help you understand these three different domains, okay? Oh, I love this. Let's go deeper. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. So you can write these scriptures down as we go through them. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Okay, now let's back up. Based on last week, you all who can hear me now, you have a physical body that is going to die, and if you are a believer, will be resurrected and joined back together with your soul and spirit in a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, so think about this. You set in your heart, so there's this soulless realm activity where this created being, Lucifer, as you know him, Satan, this angel now, because this is pre fall, begins to form a thought in his heart. And this is the thought I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God, and I will set my throne on high. Now, this language, the stars of God, how deep can I go? I'm gonna get myself in trouble. So, there's this language, the stars of God, I will ascend above the stars of God. Now, the book of Enoch is not included in the Bible. But it's referenced in the book of Jude. And I'm not prescribing that you all go home and read the book of Enoch, because some of you have never read Genesis through Revelation. But the book of Enoch is referenced and actually quoted word by word uh, in the book of Jude. And it talks about the watchers and it talks about uh, these angels and the stars of God. So there's phrases that you have in the scripture that. You don't find reference in other parts of the canonized Bible that you have, but you will in books like the book of Enoch, which talks about this a little bit more. We're gonna talk more about that in weeks three and four. So you gotta keep coming back. And it says, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the amount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. So I will set my throne among high. Remember that language? I will set my throne. So whose throne? Lucifer saying, I will set my throne. So it's, it's now look, when people, this is a side note because I feel a little bit of Jehovah sassy on this message. Whenever Christians are trying to build their th- own throne instead of actually putting God on high, that's when you know they're operating in a demonic spirit. And so it's like, well, whose throne are you building? There's pastors building palaces, not the kingdom. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Okay, now let's go to another verse. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. You were blameless in your ways the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. So angels have a soul, which means they have a heart, which means they have a will, which means they can sin. Are you with me? So angels have the ability to sin. The angels that are <clears throat> the angels that are in the atmospheres that I'm preaching into right now because they're interdimensional. Angels are interdimensional. They have the ability to access in this domain as well as heaven. Are you still with me? Did I scare you yet? And we know this because there's messenger angels. There's an angel that shows up to Mary and says, "You will conceive a son, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. There's So angels are interdimensional. In the New Testament, it actually says that you will entertain angels unaware, meaning that they, they have the ability to present themselves in such material, physical mat- manners that you will think you're talking to a human and not even realize that you had a full-blown conversation, which means they even have the ability within this dimension to um, physically move objects and, and vocally begin to speak. So Mary hears his voice, the angel. Are y'all with me? So interdimensional. How many of you know that Satan is a copycatter. Satan is an emulator. Can I just say on a brief side note, we're gonna get more into this next week, that aliens are just interdimensional representations of demons. And I had a renowned astrophysicist on my YouTube channel who actually talks about how when you see alien craft, the speed at which they are moving and changing directions would create sonic booms. So the fact that there is a visual without an audio, without the audio, means that it must be spiritual, not physical, because it would create a sonic boom. So that's a whole, that's for next week as well. And so, the, but right now, <laughs> come on, I'm just gonna keep going. And if you don't get it, just keep coming. And so right now, we know that in scriptures like Thessalonians, it talks about being caught up in the sky and the church being raptured. And so again, Satan is not a creator. He doesn't create anything. He just copycats. And so we have this, this idea of alien invasion. We have this idea of, of people being abducted by aliens. It's, it's literally an emulation of a rapture. Does this make sense? And so this is where we're at right now. I mean, I was thinking about the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine. I was thinking about the fact that Hamas, they invaded Israel. And now as of this morning, Hezbollah actually bombing a settlement in northern Israel. I'm thinking about the fact that all of our phones got an emergency test the other day. Come on now. I mean, wake up. And so we are this, this, but it's always been in the scriptures. And that's why I'm trying to entrust you as a church with this information because I'm not demon obsessed. I'm trying to help you understand the spiritual realm, but the church has been so carnal and natural minded that your biggest selling point for going to your last church is you feed the poor. Let's move past social justice, Jesus, and let's get into supernatural, Jesus. Because of course we're gonna feed the poor, but that's the smallest part of what we're doing. We're contending for territory in an era of mass deception. And we, if we don't unmask and, and unveil the devil, he's deceiving many. So, he, so Ezekiel says he's blameless in all his ways. This is Ezekiel 28. And it says, um, from the day he was created until unrighteousness was found in you. So he begins to, so now Satan, Lucifer, as you know him, this created angel is saying, I'm gonna make plans and I'm gonna elevate myself and establish a throne among high. Now, because Satan, Lucifer, is the ruler of this world, he has set his throne on high. Satellites that beam the perversion of lust and deception are up high. Radio towers that beam signals go to Manhattan, go to the buildings where the television programming are, and there are Greek deities etched into those buildings. That all actually—this oh, is too deep for some of you. Going, you never even seen it before. because it's it's hidden in plain sight in New York City, where the where they beam the television programming. There are Greek gods and goddesses. And, and statues of them etched into those buildings. These are ancient demons in new days. They are doing a pattern of mass deception. They did it in ancient Rome, they did it before Rome. Do you see what I'm trying to show you? That's why this, that's, I'm gonna go there. That's why God gave me permission to have a movie because he will always contend and he'll say, I will use the same systems that the enemy meant for mass deception to reveal mass truth. Think about the fact that after the movie, they're giving me the ability to live stream. See, it's like we're hijacking the mainframe of the demonic infrastructure. And the Lord is contending in those spaces. Same thing with social media. The, the grace that God's put on my life for social media, I don't know the algorithms. I'm not a professional social media guy, I'm, I'm, but I'm an apostolic leader. And when the Lord started putting grace on social media, it was his way of saying, We're your, I'm gonna allow you to hijack into the mainframe to begin to use the infrastructure of the enemy. Can I keep going? Okay, so... The scriptures that elaborate now on, uh, and and we're coming to a close, we're in the last half now. So now that you understand his origin, his origin is created being, and as a created being, he began to conceive sin in his heart. Now he was a high-ranking angelic being. Now he's banished and thrown to earth, but still has access to heaven. Does this make sense? And we know this because in Job, he literally stands in the presence of God and says, give me Job. I mean, he's talking to God. So he's sentenced to the earth, but he still has access to to heaven. Are you with me? And And so there's this dialogue, and then where it gets even more confusing for some of you is when you understand the courtroom of heaven, there are decisions that are made. And so Job, I mean, God literally tells Job, uh, or tells Lucifer, yeah, you can take everything you just can 't have him. There was a sentencing. this is why when Jesus died for your sins, he was he actually um, how do I put this in layman 's terms that sacrifice satiated a legal transaction and paid in full so when when you go to churches that are hyper grace, they say, well, salvation was free.' no salvation actually carried the highest cost it's free to you because Jesus paid it I mean he literally took your punishment in the courtroom of heaven your your fate was being decided and there was no way you could have ever covered the penalty and he literally got up in that seat and said I will die for them it starts making more sense it's like literally the gavel came down guilty 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 and then before you got drug away to hell Jesus said I'll go to hell for you so it's like salvation is not free it's free to you does this make sense so this is all being decided in the courtroom of heaven and you and so it's you accepting it and now don't you see how dumb it is to be like well I'm not going to accept that sacrifice I'll just willfully get dragged to hell by demons and just face eternal punishment it's foolish. Why would you? That to me now is how I think about people who don't accept Christ. Not accepting Christ as saying, I willfully, I willfully accept the punishment of my own sin. So now Satan is, is thrown down to earth and uh, he has roles here that are described in scripture. So number one, Satan is described as the ruler of this world. John chapter 12, verse 31 says this Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So, the, what that scripture in John chapter 12, verse 31 does. It acknowledges Satan as the ruler of this world. And it says, because of Jesus, because of salvation, we have the ability to reclaim dominion and and cast him out. Now will he be cast out? It doesn't mean, it didn't say now he is cast out. It says he will be. It's been put in motion. It's been initiated. His time is running out. And what you're feeling in the earth right now is the fulfillment of John chapter 12, verse 31. Satan is very nervous he doesn't know the time or the day, but he can read the signs and I believe he feels the impending ju- judgment of God upon him. He knows I'm losing ground. He's I'm losing territory. I'm losing. So I got chills all over me right now. He will be cast out. So what Jesus was declaring upon his death and resurrection was I'm restoring authority and dominion back to mankind and I'm actually initiating the process. It's like when you're on a roller coaster and you start climbing up, click, 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 and you're like, you know it's only a matter of time before that big drop. Right now, Satan is looking at the conditions of the earth. He sees you rising up. He sees God giving the gifts of the Holy Spirit to a generation of revivalists. He can hear the intercessors rising up in the midnight hour. He sees people in Asia. He sees people in Russia. He sees people in South America. He sees the Holy Spirit beginning to assemble generals of the faith rising up. He sees people from every race, every color and creed beginning to step up into the boldness of the Holy Spirit and it's click, 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 click and he knows another fall is coming but this time it's going to be eternal for me. So he is the ruler of this world. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. If you have friends and family members who don't believe in Christ, we know why. They were blinded by the God of this world. So it's foolish to think that you can fight on the front of philosophy, that you can fight on the front of reason, that you can fight on the front. And it might, I'm telling you, and I'm half defending myself in this sermon. Because, oh, I wish my pastor wasn't like that. I wish my pastor was more appealing to their emotions. I wish my pastor was more appealing to their intellect. Why does my pastor have such a warfare mindset? Because that is the mindset that we ought to have when you're in warfare. This, we have a warfare ideology in the New Testament. The entire book of Ephesians is now that you've become a believer, put on your helmet, put on your breastplate, put your shoes on to speed the gospel, grab the sword of the spirit. I I can't, maybe I'm the only pastor you needed the whole time. Because while your other pastor was giving them a coffee in one hand, a bagel in the other hand, and a great philosophical appeal, it didn't break the blindness that Satan, the ruler of this world, put on them. We have to understand the word of God. That's why Paul said, sometimes I give you the cunningness of words, but then sometimes I give you a demonstration of the power of God. It says that in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Why? Here's the why. Here's the what. What did he do? He blinded the eyes of unbelievers. But then why did he do it? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Ephesians chapter two, verse two. In which you once walked following the course of this world. Watch this. Listen to me, every Christian who's mad about, oh, Pastor Mike's always trying to do deliverance. He's always talking about the devil. Just please listen to me. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That means that the nations are being controlled by one spirit. Because each and every single one of them, this is every Middle Eastern country, every Latin American country, come on, the nations are being controlled by the sons of disobedience. There's only two sides. You're either a son of righteousness or a son of disobedience. Matter of fact, and I preached this all over the world in the last year, because the Lord gave me one sermon to preach at every church I went to, and it was a sermon about the, the virgins, There were 10 virgins, five wise and five unwise. There was no middle ground. You're either wise or unwise. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either obedient or you're disobedient. There's no middle ground. That's it. That's it. That's it. And so I think what I'm trying to get across to our church is an understanding of what we're up against. You're not fighting Satan with a good sermon. You're not fighting Satan with a really uh, entertaining YouTube video. You're not fighting Satan with a good logical appeal. He has blinded their minds so that they don't see the light of Christ. How do you fight him then? (laughs) The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How do you pull a stronghold down if that's what you're called to do? I take captive every thought that erects itself up against the word of God. I take it captive. What does that mean? You, Jesus didn't fight with a worship song. Jesus didn't fight with a logical appeal or even an emotional story. He said, it is written. That's why from every pulpit in America, we need to start preaching the word of God. Not not, uh, not an opinion, not somebody's good idea. I'm t- I don't need to hear another story about your family. We need the word of God being preached. We need to take the sword out of the spirit and we need to declare the word of God. And that's what this church is based on on. So number one, Satan is the ruler of this world. I'm going to get back to that in a second. Number two, he's the accuser. So now that he is, he's here on the planet, he accuses. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation of the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ has come For the accuser of our brothers who has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. I got chills all over me. So Satan went to heaven and accused Job and said, let me have him. And God said, no, you can't have him. Matter of fact, he will not betray me. Job will, and he just said, I already know Job. Job's not, now watch, Satan is still doing it. Let me have Robert. Robert's failed. He went back. No, no, you will not have him because the blood of Jesus cries out him and his family will be saved. Let me have Evelyn, let me have Evelyn's family. You will not have, he, see, there, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's always asking, let me have Nadab, give me Nadab, give me Nadab's marriage. and and the blood of Jesus is crying out. You can't have their family. It's already been paid for. They're under the blood. Spirit of death passed by like you did when when they were in Egypt. There's blood on the doorpost. You can't have them. Shut your mouth. And so what silences the accuser is not your good behavior, because none of us are good. What silences the accuser is the blood that cries out louder. They are forgiven and not forsaken. That is the warfare over our life. We're covered with the blood, equipped with the sword of the spirit, saying you can't have our city. New York City belongs to Jesus. Somebody, Long Island belongs to Jesus. The accuser of the brethren is silenced by the blood. We need the blood. Satan, lastly, Matthew chapter four, verse three, is he's the tempter. He tempted Jesus and he's tempting you all the time. Now, Satan is not like God, he's not omnipresent. So he uses a sophisticated network of demons to do his work. So you probably have not encountered Satan. You've probably not encountered Lucifer, this high ranking being over all the other ones. You've probably encountered his minions, demons. He's the accuser. He's the tempter. And the tempter came and said to him, so see that name. The word Lucifer is never in the Bible, but see the other names the Bible gets. Is this helping you understand? And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Then in First Thessalonians chapter three, verse five, First Thessalonians chapter three, verse five. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter. So I just gave you Matthew four, three, and then 1 Thessalonians three, five. These are two different books of the Bible that they don't refer to him as Lucifer, it says the tempter, the tempter. But see, but Pastor Mike, it's just my flesh why doesn't this church preach more about the flesh why don't we preach more about crucifying the flesh pastor mike why does everything have to be a demon no no it's just that most of you who had a church before you came to me only emphasized the flesh and you still didn't stop sinning let's get real with each other You already went to that church that talked like that. Why did you still go into adultery? Why did you still go into infidelity? Why did you still go, why did you still do it? You were already discipled that it was all the flesh because no one talked to you like the Bible talks. They didn't read 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. They didn't didn't read Matthew chapter four, verse three. It's both. All I'm trying to do is unmask the devil for you because once we unmask the devil, you can defeat him. And the tempter came to him and said, let me have him. Then the tempter attempted you and your labor would be in vain. Last but not least, would you all stand to your feet with me across every location? He is the deceiver, the deceiver. Genesis chapter three says, and you can go through and read it to yourself. The entire chapter recounts the Garden of Eden story where he is the deceiver. I wanna show you something. Genesis chapter three, he comes into the garden. Now, this might blow your mind. Who was originally given charge of the earth? And the answer is not God and the answer is not the devil. Adam, do you hear what I say? The earth was not even created for God. It was created for Adam and Eve was created for Adam. There is a structure of dominion. God created the earth, then he created Adam for the earth and then he created Eve for Adam. That is the hierarchy. So what that means is we were always destined to subdue and rule and reign in this this realm. Are you with me? So then what happens, and I want you to see this, Revelation chapter 20, verse three. This is what's gonna happen to Satan. He hates hearing this out loud. And, And God threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations anymore. So the reason, the ultimate reason for for Satan being locked up into the pit and sealed up was deceiving the nations. What did Satan do in the garden? Deception. It was deception that brought destruction. The serpent never destroyed Adam and Eve. He deceived them and let them destroy themselves. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. And so the enemy wants to deceive you because if he can deceive you, you will destroy you. But the solution to deception is the truth and the truth restores dominion. And when dominion is restored, then you will say, now New York City belongs to us. Now Long Island belongs to us. I am gonna rule and reign as a joint heir with Christ. And I'm gonna step back into what God originally designed. And I have dominion. And men, you step back into your home and you say you to your wife and your children, I am gonna have dominion in this home like God designed. I'm gonna wash you with the word. I'm going to pray over you I'm going to begin to raise my children up in righteousness and restore the order that God had designed from God being the head and then me the head of my household and then my wife over our children and we are going to put it back into alignment next week we're going to go deeper I'm taking you there next week we're going to go deeper but I need you to understand where you are in the fight. This is not. This is me calling you up. I need you to understand where you are in the fight. Here's where you are. If you're not saved, you're blinded by the God of this world, Lucifer, and you've been deceived. So some of you are here, you're deceived. And while I was preaching, scales started coming off of your eyes because the light of Christ was being revealed to you. So in a few moments, we're going to have a call for salvation. Then some of you are saved, but you're not in authority and dominion. You're saved, but you're neutered. You're saved, but you're in a cage. You're saved, but you're not operating in the fullness of what God has for you. You're saved, but you don't have a sword. And then there's some of you that you're saved and you're operating in full dominion and I just wanna oil your shield and I wanna encourage you and say, come on, let's keep on fighting. But my goal in the next two minutes is the people who are deceived, who are coming out of that deception, move from deceived all the way to saved with a sword. And the people who are saved without a sword become saved with a sword. And we all leave being the army that God's destined for us to be because time is running out. So right now across every single location if you're here and you're saying Pastor Mike, I've been deceived I'm lukewarm, I thought I was a Christian for standing in church just like I thought I was a car for standing in my garage I'm a a Christian by title but I don't even really know Christ or have a relationship with Him and, and I need to be saved if that's you across every single location just lift both your hands towards heaven right now And there may only be a few, but that's okay because we're going to start here. Come on, praise God across every location. We're going to step fully in and say, I want to know that I know that I know that I do not belong to the enemy, that I belong to Jesus. We're going to pray in a moment all together. And now you can put your hands down. Now, if there's anybody here who's like, Pastor Mike, I'm saved without a sword. I've never operated in dominion or authority. I feel like I've been going through the motions. I know that I know Jesus, but I don't know who I am in him. Would you just lift your hand right now? Come on, there's many of you. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, you can put your hands down. So here's what we're gonna do. Across every location right now, we're gonna pray a prayer of salvation. The altars are gonna open if you need to come to receive prayer. If you're saying, I need deliverance, I need freedom, you can come get free and we're gonna pray for you. But then October 29th, across every single one of our locations and actually dozens and dozens of locations around the world, we are gonna be doing a simulcast mass deliverance. And I want you to take the next couple of weeks And I want you to think about every cursed object that you have in your homes. Everything that represents you belonging to the world. Everything that you, I'm talking dream catchers. I'm talking sage. I'm talking about soul soul tight items like pictures of people that you used to date that you can't get rid of, letters and I want you to bring it all so October 29th on that Sunday across every single one of those locations I want you to bring all of those objects and just like the church of Acts we are going to get rid of them I'm talking about alcohol, shot glasses drugs, paraphernalia we're going to bring it together in massive piles all around and we're going to show Lucifer we're going to say Satan look America. America does not belong to you we're taking our rightful place that's October 29th at the end of the month are y'all ready for that so let's all lift our hands towards heaven I want the entire church to repeat this after me say Heavenly Father I receive the sacrifice of the cross where the verdict was decided that I am free I receive the blood of the lamb To wash me of all my sins, I receive full adoption. To become a child of God, I break and release myself. From every curse, every chain, be broken. Now say it like this, say, Heavenly Father, I receive full dominion, full authority. I take my sword, the sword of the Spirit, and I join the fight in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody shout and celebrate.